wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, July 2nd, 2020. I am Graham Giusin Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. For our very special Independence Day week edition of the show, we're bringing back Mr. Marcel for the upteenth time. Not really much of a surprise at this point. I guess it would be more of a surprise, Mr. Marceau, if you weren't on the show. After being on the show now for X amount of weeks in a row, dating back to April. But welcome back to the show nonetheless, RJ. Thanks for having me back. It's been a nice, wonderful, relaxing day. <laughs> I love to hear it. Any Independence Day? Any Independence Day plans as of right now or now? Uh, I think I'm going to a cookout, but besides that, keeping it uh, low key. Keeping it low. Like it. Not keeping it low key, but wearing a mask though. Now we're not talking Caval low key here, are we? No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> That buffoon just needs to shut up. Yeah, he's he's a he's a stupid piece of shit. But anyway, on that note, this is Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, July second, two thousand and twenty. As I said earlier, if you want to check out full episodes of the show, you can do so every single Thursday. Not only on NextAirWrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play. We're all over the place. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on Twitter, Facebook.com backslash Graham.gsm.matthews, and also on YouTube, YouTube. Com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. People can find you, Mr. Marceau, on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. We're talking all things Fighter Fest and Great American Bash here today with some you know some news items sprinkled in between the Tessa Blanchard news, all the suspensions, firings, potential signings, and whatnot. It's been a newsworthy week. Uh, thankfully, no major negative rants as we've been doing the last couple of weeks between the COVID stuff, the speaking out stuff. It was a bit lighter in terms of uh, news, which is good. Some more positive stuff, but not overly positive, which we'll get into soon enough with some dumb decisions that had that have been made in the last month, specifically from Impact Wrestling, which we'll get into momentarily. But uh, yeah, excited to be talking Raw and uh, Great American Bash and Fighter Fest here today, RJ. I am. It should be a good day. It should be a good time. So before we even get into those shows, like I said, we got to address the Tessa Blanchard thing right off the bat. So this news broke, and I hate when news breaks on like Thursday night because we typically record this on Wednesdays, early Thursdays. So when shit, you know, shit breaks on on Thursday nights, it's impossible to get to because we got to wait a whole week to discuss it. Now I did talk about at length about this on Wednesday's hashtag AskGSM, so maybe I won't go into great detail as I I thought I was gonna wait until today's show, but I couldn't help myself. I went on a major rant about this on Wednesday already on that show. But how Tessa Blanchard has since been fired from Impact Wrestling, um, the then Impact World Champion, having won the championship back in January. So again, long story short, you can check out Fightful and PW Insider and websites like that for more information. Um, But basically, the gist of it is this, is that Tessa was refusing to send in promos as recently as the June 2nd edition of Impact Wrestling, exactly a month ago, actually. And they were still, you know, they were still advertising her for the main event of their Slammiversary pay-per-view in a a couple weeks 
against Trey, Michael Elgin, who has also since been fired, um, Eddie Edwards, and Ace Austin, defending the championship in a fatal five-way main event. That is obviously no longer happening. It's now a four-way without Elgin involved, without Blanchard involved. They have a mystery fourth person instead. Um, but they, I guess, thought that she was going to be there, which is why they advertised her, even though I guess they had an idea that she may not be there. So why would you make a match that you don't really think, that you don't have full faith is actually going to happen? I know there's no fans there, so it's not exactly false advertising. Um, it's going to be an empty arena show filmed on a closed set. But still, I mean, this whole thing is just an absolute mess. Uh, not that she's been problematic since the start. She's been a great get for Impact. We've sat, we, you know, we've talked on the show before, RJ, about how much of a star Tessa Blanchard is. And regardless of her issues outside of the ring, there is no denying that the woman's a star. At 24 years old, she's a former Impact World Champion, Knockouts Champion. She's had success in every promotion. She's competed in up to this point. But it seems like she has that stench around her that we talk about with TNA. Um, she has that stench for not being easy to work with coming off of the story. And Impact or no Saints either, which I'll get into momentarily. But what was your immediate reaction coming off the news, RJ, that Blanchard is now gone from Impact after, after everything that has gone down in recent weeks and months? I mean, once I saw that she was fired, I was like, I was like, what the hell? I was like, I need to see why. And then they're like, she's basically refusing to send them stuff, not being cooperative. And it kind of just kind of went back to her behavioral issues that were brought up when she was first down in NXT. That's like, that's why they didn't sign her. She has kind of some behavioral issues. Not sure if she can't get along with people or just, it's just tough to work with. So that was kind of the first thing I thought of. And I was like, it must have been that so bad that that's why TNA fired her. So, I mean, I would say it was very surprising news. I mean, like I said, she was the face of the company and they just fired her for that. But I think she's at fault as well. I mean, if your employer says, hey, can you do this and you don't do it? I mean, if you just do it, if you neglect it for so long, you're going to get let go or suspended. So I guess her contract was coming up as well. So I guess TNA just decided to cut ties with them. But it's such a TNA thing. I mean, I heard on hashtag yesterday someone brought up how they're, they're basically all their world champions the last five or six champions have all had issues or not with the company anymore. So it's kind of an endless cycle with TNA and um, we'll see what happens next. But I, I, I'm not too surprised that they let it go for uh, not doing her job. I mean, we've discussed this before ourselves. When she first signed with Impact two years ago, one of the first discussions that you and I had was that reportedly she had attitude issues, which is why she didn't go to WWE three years ago. We discussed again three years ago over text about how she was announced in the May Young Classic. You outright said she's going to win it all. I mean, how could she not? She looks like a star. She is a star. And that was three years ago. At, the t- at that time, she was 21 years old, I believe. So not only did she not win, she was the first one bumped from the tournament from Kyrie Sane in the opening round. So clearly, if they saw so much in her, then she wouldn't be bumped in the, in the very first match from the show. Or if they had an inclination of signing her. And she was a free agent at that point. It wasn't like she was working elsewhere like Ring of Honor or Impact. She didn't go to Impact until mid-2018. So they didn't sign her for some sort of reason. It could be added to issues. That's what it's been rumored to be. But now the big question is, could they now be signing her again? Uh, could they be, you know, scouting Tessa Blanchard to bring her in and not sign her again, but sign her for the first time? She's appeared in NXT before. She was a part of the Mae Young Classic, as I've said, you know, as I just said. Um, but, you know, her stock has skyrocketed in the last couple of years because of Impact, um, because of the run that she recently had as world champion, which wasn't great, but she still won their world championship. And she's done a lot of good for them in the last couple of years. She's had a lot of great matches, so despite her issues outside of the ring, she did a lot of good for Impact, at least in front of the camera, with the matches with Sammy Callahan. She had an awesome match that I know I sent you about a year ago with Gail Kim 
at I think the Rebellion pay-per-view back in 2019 or 18. I don't remember. I think it was 2019, but they had a great match too. So, uh, yeah. Now, I think it would not surprise me at all to hear that WWE has since been scouting Tessa Blanchard. Do you think she could soon be WWE bound, RJ? Or is it they might be holding off for a little bit to wait till this thing kind of dies down? Um, I think it, it's one of those approaches that if you're WWE, she's a big star. She's a big gift for the company. But tread lightly. Um, definitely, I would say contractually, just try to put yourself in the safest or best situation. Maybe less money if she can keep her act straight maybe you can extend her later on and give her more money but i would tread lightly and not invest too much in her at this point um i mean she's 24 she'll hopefully mature more throughout the years but i I would go in a low risk uh list contract and just try to protect yourself now and if she can uh, improve her behavior and any kind of issues she's going on then you kind of extend her from there I mean, it's got to be hypocritical, right, when you hear these reports from very credible sources indicating that WWE is trying to get rid of problematic talent. They have since released Liguero, Travis Banks, no public announcement on their releases. They just quietly let them go. Um, I don't even think their profiles are even on the website anymore, let alone in the alumni section. They're just gone completely. So they're gone from the company. They let go of two referees from the NXT UK, which is still going on, by the way. Um, there was supposed to be some sort of major announcement on NXT UK on Tuesday among the people a part of the brand not publicly and they just simply said be ready for whenever we resume shows in the near future i believe but um anyway so they're getting rid of problematic talent would it send the wrong message if they get rid of people i mean again not that banks and Legero had um and again still their actions i'm not condoning them they're not quite as bad as someone like a joey ryan or someone like that um but it was still pretty bad and i'm glad they got rid of them they're not major assets to the company we still don't know what the story is on jordan devlin what his future holds. Um, I've heard no follow-up on that story from two weeks ago. But is it hypocritical, RJ, that they're seemingly getting rid of problematic talent, yet probably, very likely at some point, bringing in a Tessa Blanchard who has a history of, again, not only having issues behind the scenes and being difficult to work with, reportedly, according to her co-workers, but also being accused of the whole racial slur thing earlier this year, back in January, that was never really resolved. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely hypocritical, but with the company, it's they're looking at the dollar signs at the end of the day. She can be a big star for them. I mean, hopefully she, like I said, she's still young, and I mean, people do dumb things when you're young, so hopefully she'll mature. I think that's kind of the approach they're going with, but I mean, I, it, it's, it is definitely hypocritical, but I think at the end of the day, you open yourself up or make exceptions for people that you think can make you money or be a big deal. I mean, it, it, it sounds terrible, but it's the truth. I mean, no, no, I agree. I agree. Any profession, if someone, especially sports, it's like if someone could have a shady past or have done really dumb things in the past, but you'll still sign them hoping that they turn the page on that part of their life or learn from their mistakes. So with someone like her, especially how high profile she is and how big she could be for that women's division, I mean, I think it's worth the risk. So with the current landscape of the women's division in WWE, you have NXT, Raw, SmackDown, Charlotte being out for a little while. You have Becky Lynch out for, you know, indefinitely. She might be out for, for, she may never come back. I assume she will, but if she does, it won't be at least for a year, in my opinion. Uh, So it's going to be a while. That being said, where do you put Tessa Blanchard, assuming they do sign her? not saying, again, they should sign her anytime soon. I really do think they should hold off, try to resolve some things before they bring her in immediately. I don't think she has a no-compete clause. I think it's a 90-day dismissal, or just an immediate dismissal, and there's no 90-day non-compete clause. It's not WWE in that respect. 
So if they were to bring her in, you know, hypothetically in the foreseeable future, where do you put her? Does she get ushered into the NXT women's division and go after Io Shirai? Or does she immediately get brought up to either Raw or SmackDown and kind of fill in a spot that was previously occupied by Charlotte or Becky Lynch? Um, I think you start with NXT and make that's kind of like her proven ground. If she can figure it out down there, then call her up. But I'd put her in NXT first. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I don't normally like when people kind of jump ahead of the curb from NXT. I think it also kind of gives those stars some more time to either develop their characters or just fine-tune their skills. Uh, to go immediately to the main roster, especially with the issues that she has, she'll either be humbled in NXT or they'll, they'll, they'll just get rid of her. So I, I really hope that uh, she goes there first. It would be nice to see her on a main roster pay-per-view pop up and you know go one-on-one with uh, Shayna Baszler or a Bayley or Sasha Banks, that'd be cool, but I don't want to see too much too soon. I don't want to see them rushing any big-time matches. I know they did that with AJ Styles, but the men's division is differently is different because they have more men to work with. With the women, if she works with Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky within a year, who else is there left for her to face? You know, that's kind of the issue that they run in with with a lot of these women, where they beat all these women, ba 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 ba, and then for the remainder of the five years of their run, there's nothing for them to do. So hopefully they don't run they don't run into that roadblock with um, Tessa Blanchard at some point. Again, assuming they do sign her down the road, which I assume is inevitable, just hopefully not anytime soon. But you mentioned the impact thing too. I got to mention that. I, I had someone say on Twitter, it's like, oh, one of the benefits of them doing that with uh, them kind of cycling talent in and out is that there's always fresh faces. And I've heard that argument a lot over the last couple of years. And I got to say, I disagree, dude. I know NXT works that way, but at least those people go on to become you know, stars for the most part from NXT on the main roster. Not always, actually most of the time, no. But at least we see those people stay in the company, they go on to the main roster, and they do other stuff there. But in Impact, they bring people in, put their top championship on them, and then there's no one there to kind of hold down the four. Like, for a long time, they had Bobby Lashley was there for four or five years. EC3 was there for four or five years. James Storm was there for God knows, like, forever. Um, Abyss, I'm not saying Abyss is someone to build around, but... You know what I mean? Like an AJ Styles, a Samoa Joe, people that were there for a while. Brian can't, Brian Cage can't even make it two years, and that's not his fault. He just saw the dollar signs and went to AEW. So, again, kind of on a side note, because this isn't about Tessa Blanchard, but do you think Impact could probably benefit from having a cornerstone or two in that company that they could build around, aside from just bringing people in for a year or two and then get rid of, you know getting rid of them or just letting them go easily? Yeah, easily. I mean, I think that's what kind of helped TNA, like, mid-2000s, late or early 2010s, I mean, they had AJ Styles, they had Samoa Joe, they had Kurt Angle, Sting, I mean, Beer Money, Motor City Machine Guns, like, they had a lot of teams or a lot of people that were a big deal, and they stayed there, so you're like, oh, they must be a big, like, they're not going WWE, they must still be, like, a big deal, so I think when they keep constantly keep losing people and they're going to other promotions, it just kind of makes TNA look like basically indie wrestling with a budget. Yeah, pretty much, because, I mean, for a long time, it's like, okay, I know Austin Aries is going to be there, and he's kind of been exposed as a piece of shit recently, so that's another story, but, you know, I know AJ Styles is there, I know this guy's there, I know that guy's there. I watched the show for those people, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, like, they were there for a long time, and I would know through watching the show, like, okay, I'm a fan of these people, I'll watch the show for them and become fans of other people, but now they can't even really build around anyone. Tessa Blanchard was there again for two years, Brian Cage for two years, Del Rio a year. It really feels like people aren't there for long before they, you know, either WWE comes calling or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it, it is a bit strange, and hopefully they can rectify that at some point. Galloway, same thing. Drew McIntyre was only there for about a year, year and a half. 
So uh, maybe they'll uh, start changing that up at some point, and they'll you know start focusing on cornerstone talent who they know won't leave, and they are big stars. Like a Ring of Honor has a Jay Lethal. Um, and people argue, oh, you know, he's done everything there is to do there, but at least I know Jay Lethal will always be there, or the Briscoes, or Dalton Castle. Impact doesn't really have that. Um, but kind of on the Impact note real quick, I forgot to throw this in on our notes before we started recording the show, but reportedly Gallows and Anderson, former Raw Tag Team Champions, could be soon Impact-bound. In fact, it's considered to be a lock by PW Insider um, that apparently in working with Impact, they can also work with New Japan. That's when New Japan allows them to come back over when the coronavirus dies down, of course. So uh, what are your thoughts on Gallows and Anderson potentially being brought into Impact in the near future, likely at the Slammiversary pay-per-view, if not soon after? Um, do you think that's a good fit for them coming off their WWE release? Um, I mean, it keeps them busy, at least. I mean, WWE never really seemed to do them, give, do them rightly. I mean, they always were just never always featured correctly, so... I think, at least due to pandemic reasons, it's nice to see them working at TNA to have something for them to do until they go to New Japan. But, I mean, it's kind of... I, I think WWE missed the ball on them uh, by a lot. Yeah, and I think Impact's a logical move personally just because I think they were going to go there initially before they actually ended up going to WWE. They were talking to TNA, and then TNA, just they just dropped the ball. They didn't bring them in. WWE offered them a blow-away offer, so they went there instead. Um, so it makes sense for them to go there, especially if it means they can go work for New Japan, which is ultimately, I believe, what they want. So it actually kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the move. And also, real quickly, any additional thoughts on Legero and Travis Banks being released from WWE uh, just last Friday? Uh, nothing really. I mean, they're both kind of underneath guys, not worth the hassle or scrutiny. Just get rid of them. Joe Coffey got suspended too. I forgot about that. I don't know for how long, but... He may be another one who they suspend and then they soon release a little while later, so I would keep an eye on him as well. Um, that's what happened to Michael Elgin over an Impact. He was suspended initially, and now he's been let go officially, so uh, more on that as it develops. But real quickly, before we get to the Great American Bash and the Fighter Fest stuff, which show is better between the Wednesday Night Wars this past week? Two very good shows, in my opinion. Uh, from Monday Night Raw, there really isn't a ton to talk about. It wasn't a great show. They are building to extreme roles. I thought the hype for the pay-per-view was well done. But overall, the three hours weren't exactly thrilling. Now, I know some people had to miss the show due to either COVID concerns or... I mean, nothing was ever confirmed, like an Austin theory. He wasn't on the show. I don't think he's hurt. It could have been because of the allegations that came out against them about a week or two ago, uh, and they're just kind of playing it safe right now until that gets cleared up, or he may have ex been exposed to someone who had COVID, or he just opted to stay home. We do not know. He wasn't on the show. Randy Orton wasn't there. Rey Mysterio wasn't there in person, but he did appear over the Titan Tron, which was nice. Um, the Street Profits weren't there. And as a result, some people had to be pulling double duty. Big Show was in like four or five seconds on the show. Andrade and Angel Garza went from beating the Viking Raiders to losing to the fucking Big Show, dude. Later on in the show in a 2-1-1 handicap match. What purpose is any of this supposed to serve? Honestly, the fact that they lost the Big Show is just laughable. It just exposes them as being like... You know who I, you know who I think of when I see people losing to the Big Show in handicap matches? Like Primo and Epico or friggin' Jesse and Festus from a decade ago. I know they wrestled earlier on in the evening so they could play up like, oh, they were tired. But I thought, dude, just a week ago they were teasing, oh, they're a cohesive unit. Like, they're going after the tag team titles. Why or how could they have earned a tag team title shot on this show if they just lost the Big Show and the odds were in their favor? How does that make any sense? It doesn't. It's just classic WWE stupid 
managing and just, I, know, I honestly have no idea. Why the hell, like you said, especially losing the big show, I mean, stupidness. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Completely dumb. Um, On the bright side, I am liking what they're doing with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. Granted, both of them lost in the last couple of weeks on Raw. Liv Morgan to Natalia last week, Ruby Riot to Peyton Royce this week. Um, but I do like the idea of them reuniting, and, and as the Riot Squad, I was never a big Riot Squad fan, you know that. Not just because, I mean, it's not like a lack of chemistry or anything, it's more had to do with, it more so had to do with the fact that they were always booked to look like losers, constantly, all the time. They never won any important matches, they were always just there to lose to other people. Um, but with Sarah Logan gone, um, you know, they, it could feel fresher, they're baby faces now, Ruby Riot has not been a face on the main roster yet, it's something new. They're not doing anything with her, and she's too talented to be wasted, so I don't mind the idea, especially if it does lead to them taking the belts off of Sasha and Bailey at some point. So what are your thoughts on the imminent reunion, apparently, of the Riot Squad on Monday Night Raw? It's interesting. I mean, depending if they do it right, it could work out for them. I mean, I'm not holding my breath on that. I mean, they really use these two people correctly at all, so um, we'll see what happens, but like I said, I'm not holding my breath. I think... It will be fresh to see Ruby as a face, but I'm just not. I just don't expect them to really do much with them. They are the team, or are they the team? Is what I was going to ask you. Are they the team to take the belts off of Sasha and Bailey ultimately as the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions? Um, I'm not sure. I th- I, I kind of like your idea of someone from NXT winning them. I mean, just having them on NXT, and then you can call them up on Raw and kind of get them some exposure as well. Even if they're still on NXT, kind of get them over with the audiences, kind of just two random people. So. I like that aspect of it more, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we'll, well, you know, we'll find out in due time. I would like, like, like you said as well. I completely agree with my own thought process that it should be a team from NXT. I think they have a stronger women's tag team division. It's not really a division, but um, I don't know. It feels like they focus more on their women. And and to WWE's credit, they've done a very good job of you know uh, making that division better in the last couple of weeks you know building up the iconics bringing them back I'm, I'm not a big fan but they are a team um they have sasha and bailey doing great work tegan and shotzi and nxt they have the riot squads uh, you know reuniting soon i don't love the uh, lana natalia alliance but it's another tag team if anything so we'll, we'll see where they go with it from here um who do you think gets the next united states championship shot rj so mvp beat apollo cruz on raw bobby lashley beat ricochet um, is it MVP because he pinned the champion? Is it Bobby Lashley? Where do you think they go next with the United States Championship picture? Um, maybe it's MVP. Uh, I mean, he just did beat. He did just beat him, so I mean, it realistically would make sense. But um, I think the end game is probably Bobby going to take the title off him. So maybe do MVP first. He can't win. Then have Bobby beat him. But um, we'll see. I mean, is what it is. Not a huge fan of what's going on, but. It's somewhat interesting. It's interesting. It's holding my interest, so we'll see where they go with it. Um, and finally from Raw, and not a lot of highlights, but in the main event we saw Dolph Ziggler and Sasha Banks knock off the duo of Drew McIntyre and Asuka in mixed tag team action, with Sasha Banks pinning Asuka. Um, and I believe this was Dolph's first... Actually, no, I was going to say Dolph's first singles win in a while, but it was a tag team win. Um, but McIntyre's first loss, actually, of any kind, dude, on TV since November. That is how strongly they have protected McIntyre. Now, he wasn't pinned here. It wasn't a singles match. So he remains undefeated one-on-one in 2020. A lot like MJF, who, you know, lost the tag team match at Fighter Fest, but wasn't pinned and wasn't, um, it wasn't a tag team match. Or it wasn't a singles match, excuse me. But yeah, um, did this make you any more excited for the upcoming championship matches at Extreme Rules coming up in a couple weeks? Um, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for Sasha and Asuka. Drew and Ziggler is kind of just the filler at this point. 
Um, but I'm excited for Sasha and Asuka, so it was nice to see Sasha get over on Asuka a little bit. But, I mean, Ziggler, come on. Who, who gives a shit? Who cares in 2020? I don't think I asked this last week, but what are your thoughts on Extreme Rules, the horror show? I mean... Come on. Well, I, I don't get it. Like, what, like, <laughs> what are these taglines? Like, every every show now is a new tagline? Like, what's this, 1975? Like, exactly. Yeah. You don't I, need to, like, it's not, like, that's not selling the show. Like, I don't, back then you used to, like, sell the show, like, a tagline. But now it's, like, I don't get it. Why is it the horror show? Like, I don't get it. That's my point. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. Is it the swamp fight? Or I, I don't really understand what the whole purpose of the tagline is. I mean, again, I don't mind the taglines if they're good. But they've all been shit. The too big for one night. The uh, risk is worth the reward. They had the greatest wrestling match ever. Um, I don't know if they're selling any more network subscriptions. They are getting people talking about how dumb they are, but I'm not really sure if it's doing any goodwill for the company at all. But, uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. Speaking of which, Extreme Rules. Um, we have a couple matches on tap. We have ba- uh, we have Bailey and Nikki Cross, Sasha Banks and Asuka, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, the Bray Wyatt Universal Championship match against Braun Strowman in a swamp fight. Um, two things. Your thoughts on Bray and Braun fighting in a swamp fight and the overall theme of Extreme Rules not sounding too extreme on paper. Uh, I mean, I feel like the show lately has never been like the most extreme thing ever. They usually don't really have that many Extreme Rules matches. I think it was like a year or two ago. They only had like one or two. So I'm not too surprised. The swamp fight kind of is what it is. I mean... I like the cinematic matches, but they're starting to, like, they're going to fucking, they're killing them at this point. Like, how many can you really do? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it'll be good. I mean, I think it's just like a nice little thing before they do a Fiend and Strowman at SummerSlam, but I don't know. I'm kind of over cinematic matches at this point. I feel like they're doing them to death. Now, they're teasing a stipulation for Dolph and Drew at the pay-per-view. They didn't announce what it was on Monday. I assume they reveal what the stipulation is this coming week on Raw. Um, if so, I'm, I'm getting the sense that it'll be a steel cage match, which I hate, which they fought in before actually, but I feel like they might do that same stipulation just because they have history in it, whatever. I I don't think it'll be anything too fancy, like an Iron Man match or whatever. I assume it's going to be like a steel cage or extreme rules or some dumb bullshit or whatever. When they just use like one chair, you know, um, any thoughts on what that extreme rules stipulation might be? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like. I'm not a big fan of cage matches at, at the way that they've done them lately, so I'm hoping kind of not for that, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, Extreme Rules matches, doing if they've done correctly, it could be fun, but they, they don't do that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, maybe still cage, but I just, even those, I just don't, they're just not that entertaining, I feel like, anymore. I agree. I agree. We'll see what they have in mind. So, as we get to the reviews of Great American Bash and Fighter Fest Night 1 for both shows, which one would you like to talk about first, Fighter Fest or Great American Bash? Um, we talk about Great American Bash first. Alright, we'll go with Great American Bash. Uh, very happy to see the concept brought back. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking last night, because I was going to show Alexis, like, oh, some Great American Bash, some great, great American Bash matches. Um, and there's a lot of WCW, NWA matches, which are probably where the best matches are. I was thinking back, and I was, like, you know, thinking back on the past installments of Great American Bash. It was a SmackDown staple for a long time, but when I really went back and looked at the cards for each show, it really dawned it really dawned on me in WWE, Great American Bash was not a great pay-per-view at all. Like, they had some good matches here, and there were, like, Eddie Guerrero and JBL, or Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, which I believe WWE actually just uploaded to their YouTube channel today. 
Um, matches like that. I think Jericho and, and Rey Mysterio had a match at the Bash at one point. I think it was like the last Great American Bash, the Bash, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people, I mean, we talked about how cool it was to see the concept be brought back last week. Any fun? I mean, we talked about it, I guess, last week, but Great American Bash, I don't think it was a great show overall. I think this might have been one of the better installments of Great American Bash that WWE has ever done, and it was on NXT. Watch your lip. Watch your lip. Kids talking trash about Great American Bash. Old smack. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, sh- the show's amazing. No, but I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed them for what they were, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I I think my favorite it has to be JBL and Eddie in the bull rope match. I mean, come on. It's a classic. That's uh, a classic, but I don't think there's really many matches that fill out the list. Not too many matches I can think of off the top of my head. Like, oh, that was an amazing match. Hey. Um, I mean, I'm also not, I'm not GSM. I don't have the, like the best memory ever. So I mean, um, I mean, I'm trying to think what else they had there. I mean, that's like I said, that's I would have to go through the card and look. But I mean, looking at 2004, eh, not too hot. I mean, yeah, yeah. Tory Wilson and Sable. I mean, take my money. Um, Jesus, I'll take Sasha and, and EO versus uh, over Sable and Tori Wilson. No, no thanks. I mean, come on, 2005, uh, Molina versus Tori Wilson, broad panties, great match. <laughs> oh God. Um, Undertaker versus Muhammad Hassan, terrible. Ray versus Eddie. If Ray lost, he would the grill would be revealed as uh, Don Dominic's dad. Come on, that was a good match. That was the only good match in that show, though, from what I looked up. That's eh, debatable, but yeah, I mean, like I said, they weren't the greatest shows, but I don't know. I have fond memories of them. Hey, listen, Mister Marceau, I'll take as I know you don't really care too much about it, but I'll take Roderick Strong versus Dexter Loomis in a strap match over Charlie Haas versus Luther Reigns any day of the week. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> anyway, we get to the uh, 2020 installment of Great American Bash from the Black and Gold brand on Wednesday, kicking off with the Fatal Four Way Elimination Match with the winner would advance the face Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, they didn't say when. I thought it would be added to next week's show. They never said anything about Tegan Knox versus Io Shirai on next week's show, and maybe they'll add it on Twitter or on social media in the next week, but I, you would think they would advertise it on this show. But anyway, um, Tegan Knox knocking out Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Candice LeRae. Good opening match. And, uh, yeah, Tegan Knox, kind of a surprising outcome. We all kind of thought that it would be... Um, what's her name? Uh, Dakota Kai picking up the victory and emerging as the new number one contender. What were your thoughts on the match and the surprising outcome as far as, you know, as far as our predictions are concerned? I thought it was a good match. I, I didn't know at first that it was an elimination match. I think you said that it was added later on, but I thought it was a good match. I it served its purpose well. Um, Dakota and Tegan have always had good chemistry, so uh, when it came down to them at the very end, they had a good little, uh, good little small little singles match. I enjoyed that. Very surprised that uh, um, that Kai won. We both thought that she she or uh, Kai lost there. I thought we both thought she would win here. I'm mm-hmm. glad that no Ra- Raquel Gonzalez. I love the no interference. Just a clean match. Love that. I mean, that's one of my core principles. Hate interference, but mm-hmm. unless it's done right. But it was a good match, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to have Eo versus uh, Tegan. They should have some good matches together, and uh, I would say it was a good start off the night. Well. Do you think we get Tegan as the next NXT Women's Champion, or do you think that she's probably just a filler opponent before they get to EO and like a or you know a Dakota or a Rhea Ripley? Um, I initially thought she'd be the one to take the title off EO, but I mean, if they're going to do it soon, I, I I would hold off on that. Yep. Uh, I I I guess not. Um, 
that's why I kind of think we both thought it would be Dakota because we thought she like that was just a filler. Tegan, I think Tegan. I don't know the way that they position her. I feel like she would be one of the people to take the belt off her, but they're going to do it now. I just don't see them taking the title off Io so quickly. So I guess not. Maybe they just maybe this is a quick little program, and then they come back to it down the line. But I, I guess she's not. It doesn't seem like she'd be the one to take the belt off her. And I want to say I agree with you, too, on the Raquel Gonzalez thing from uh, the fact that there was no interference. I honestly expected that. I think we all kind of thought Dakota Kai would win after she called out Io Shirai in NXT last week and that Tegan Knox would get the upper hand and then Raquel would come out and, you know, cost her the victory, blah, blah, blah. Same song and dance that they've done with Tegan Knox and um, Dakota Kai in recent months before. But no, it didn't happen. She was nowhere to be seen. Maybe that'll, you know, play in a possible tension between the two with uh, Raquel not being there to help out Dakota. Who knows? But... Yeah, I'm looking forward to Tegan Knox and Neo Shirai. The matches should be uh, very good, if nothing else. We then had Timothy Thatcher taking on Oni Lorcan for the first time ever. No build here. They just announced this on Twitter a couple days ago. Um, no real reason for the match. But, hey, I'm not going to complain about a great match. I thought this was very well wrestled. Um, they're very similar. It's like that Spider-Man meme when they're both like pointing at each other. That's what I thought when I saw this match because of how similar they look and how similar they wrestle. Um, but this was very well done. They had enough time to really make the most of it. And they worked um, awesome. They worked very well together. So, uh, Timothy Thatcher winning was the right result. I enjoyed this. What were your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on Thatcher versus Lorcan? Well, good match. I, th- I thought it was a nice, hard-hitting affair. Um, they both similar wrestling styles, so it was great to see them mix it up on the mat a little bit. And uh, I liked what they're doing with Thatcher as well, so getting him some more uh, momentum beating Lorcan here. And uh, interesting to see what they do with him next. Yeah, they haven't really had any major plans for him. I know they were doing the Thatcher School thing, the wrestling school, in the last couple weeks. He beat Matt Riddle back in late May, so hopefully they have something important planned for him soon. Uh, Rhea Ripley taking on Aaliyah and Robert Stone in a two-on-one handicap match where she lost. She would have had to uh, she would have had to join the Robert Stone brand. Now, was it predictable? Yes, but honestly, even if it is NXT. It's still WWE. Like, you can't put anything past them. There was a, a very small chance that Rhea could have lost, especially after she beat Aaliyah so decisively last week. I'm glad she didn't, but, I mean, I just thought this whole thing was kind of a waste of time. It was better than I thought it would be. The match wasn't terrible. It was enjoyable to a certain extent. I don't give a shit about Aaliyah. Robert Stone's a comedy character now. My question is, aside from what your thoughts in the match were, RJ, What's going on with Rhea Ripley? They're clearly just wasting time here, probably before she gets back in the title picture. But this shit doesn't make her any more, doesn't give her any more momentum. It's not like she's facing Dakota Kai or someone like that or a, or a Candice LeRae. She's really kind of treading water right now. It, it really does feel like the more that time passes, that she's lost more and more momentum by the week since when she was NXT Women's Champion earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I I don't know if just like a quick filler thing for her. I mean, I didn't hate the match. For I thought it was gonna be a lot worse. So I mean, for what I was expecting, it it went over well. Um, maybe just get a little comment in there, just keep her filled up a little bit. At least something for her to do, and not not beating like a Dakota Kai or someone like Candice that might be in their immediate plans to be some kind of a champion or big star down the line. But I mean, for what it was, I enjoyed it. Um, wasn't the greatest match of all time, but. I think for a little comedy, I, I enjoyed it. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I thought it was all right. I didn't mind it. Just, again, it's a waste of time. Better than I thought it would be. I'm ready for them to move on. Hopefully the feud is over now. Um, but yeah, Rhea should, I would I would assume, emerge as the next number one contender to the championship at some point. Maybe they move her to the main roster from there. I think we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. 
Uh, but also on the show, we saw Dexter Loomis battle Roderick Strong in NXT's first ever strap match. I know you and I aren't too fond of the stipulation, but I thought they made the most of it. They kept things entertaining. They kept things interesting. Um, Hard-hitting, whipping each other with the straps and whatnot. And then ultimately, it was Dexter Loomis who went over via submission, which I was not expecting. Uh, I don't know if I, what my prediction was last week, kind of if we did predictions for Great American Bash, which I don't think we did. Um, I, I probably would have expected Strong to win, but uh, you know what? Undisputed Air is probably on their way out at some point. they got to start putting new people over, so Loomis winning, I have no issue with it. As long as they have something interesting in mind for him going forward, then uh, I have no issue with him winning. Now, it was teased at one point, a Velveteen Dream and Dexter Loomis tag team. I don't think that's happening at this point. It seems like Velveteen Dream's days in WWE might be numbered. Um, so what were your thoughts on the match, RJ, and where Loomis might go from here? Is it a Dream tag team, or are Dream's days indeed numbered in WWE as far as you know you believe? Um, I thought the match was pretty good. Like I, like I said, with the stipulation, it just it's pretty pigeonholed. I mean, there's only so much you can really do. Um, like I said earlier, I love the uh, bull rope match with JBL and Eddie Guerrero, but besides that, I can't really name like a great bull rope match off the top of my head, really. So I thought it was good for what it was. Um, like you said, Harding Affair, they did the best with the stipulation, even though it's not the greatest stipulation of all time. But uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match. Loomis going over makes sense, especially if Undisputed Era is going to be heading off uh, to the main roster. Don't know exactly what they're going to do with him, but, I mean, give him a prominent win. Doesn't hurt at all. But uh, with what's going on with with the uh, Velveteen Dream, not exactly sure, <laughs> sure what they're going to do with him. Seems like he's kind of in some hot water right now. So we'll see what happens. But uh, definitely uh, good to see Loomis get a big win and just kind of interested to see on what they do with him from here. With Dream, assume he gets released at some point, which is, that's not to say that he absolutely will, but under the assumption that he does, at, you know, at some point, do you think Dream goes down as one of the bigger, I don't want to say failures, but like one of those guys that could have been something big in WWE, and it wasn't because of like booking, like we can go on and on about that, but because of their own personal demons or whatever, their own personal fuck-ups that they, that they cost themselves a very promising career. Do you think Dream goes down as one of those bigger mess-ups if he does end up getting released at some point in the near future? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I'd put him in, like, Enzo Cast territory. Like I agree, yep. Had 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 a big, like, did well with what they were given, had a good run, and then just kind of fucked it all up. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think Enzo and Cast even wrestle anymore. If they do, it's on the indies and basically kind of killed their career, but We'll see what happens. I think he's a good wrestler. I think the gimmick is still extremely like exclusive to certain kind of tier. I think he could be bigger than he is, but unfortunately, the gimmick kind of just doesn't allow that. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't really know what the WWE is thinking with his with what that's going on right now mm-hmm. and kind of all that stuff. So we'll see what happens. But um, if he, if he doesn't finish with the WWE or gets fired, I, I would definitely put him down as a disappointment. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, but what was not a disappointment was the main event on this show, which I know both you and I will agree was the highlight of the night. Great match. Could have belonged to the takeover. They got good time. What we forgot to mention before when we were going over it before the show was that there were no commercials, which I really appreciated. Usually the commercials kind of interrupt the flow of the matches. That was not the case here. And usually they do the commercial free stuff for like the opening match. They did it for the main event, so I, I thought that was great. Um, and, and they worked wonderfully together. Io Shirai and Sasha Banks, it was their first time ever wrestling one-on-one. 
Um, it was an awesome match, did not disappoint. And yeah, there was interference. Bailey interfered a little bit, but it was kept to a minimum. And then ultimately it backfired because Asuka came out of nowhere and helped um, Io Shirai pick up the victory and they celebrated to go off the show. I thought this was uh, really well done and I enjoyed the match a lot. Would you concur, RJ? Yeah, I enjoyed this match a lot. I, I, I love Io and big fan of Sasha as well. I thought the first match together, they had amazing chemistry. Um, just felt like the match had a perfect pace. Everything looked well. Um, like you said, little interference, but it served its purpose at the end. Uh, he was trying to win. He tried to cheat a little bit. Backfires on them. Oscar helps out EO. Win. It's great stuff. Hopefully get them in a little tag match going down somewhere. That would be great. But uh, I enjoyed it. That was a great match. Probably my favorite match of the night from both, from both shows. So uh, great way to end NXT in my mind. And I was happy they didn't do a DQ finish either. That's kind of what I was expecting, like a DQ to protect Sasha, to protect Io. But no, they had Io win as they should have. It wasn't Sasha winning because she's facing the Raw Women's Champion of the pay-per-view or because, you know, she's a main roster star and Io isn't. Io should be winning more matches, and this was a good match to win. This was a big win for her, and I was really happy to see that. But yeah, the first time ever that we've seen Asuka and Io in WWE on, on TV together. We've seen Asuka, obviously, with Io, uh, with um, Kyrie Sane. We've seen Kyrie with EO and NXT, but never EO and Asuka. This was a first time ever like thing. So I thought it was awesome. Any chance that we see I guess Kyrie saying I her future is in question right now. I was gonna see I was gonna say some sort of six woman tag team match with the Kabuki Warriors and EO versus Banks and Bailey and someone else, but maybe Naya or something. I don't know. I don't want to see Naya back in NXT. But I think yeah. EO and you know Asuka <laughs> straight up versus Banks and Bailey would be awesome enough. But uh do you think that match happens next week or maybe at some point down the road before Extreme Rules? Uh, I think I mean I think that'll be a big match for next week added to the card. I mean they have some good matches next week as well, but could use a little bit more beef on the card. So I, I would I would definitely add that. Um, like you said, Kyrie Zane seems like she might be done in the ring from some reports, so that would definitely suck, but uh, putting Asuka with 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 EO would be great as well. I forgot to mention this from the uh, Great American Bash results, but we also had El Legado del Fantasma. Now, my pronunciation is terrible, but we had um, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza attempt to attack Drake Maverick before Brazongo made the save. Um, good segment to set up a six-man tag team match for next week. So real quickly, predictions for next week's night two of the Great American Bash. Uh, first of all, your thoughts again, because we've discussed this a lot, but I want to hear your thoughts on it again. On El Legado del Fantasma, the tag team name or the stable name of uh, uh, Escobar, Wild, and Mendoza. And who do you have going over in that six-man tag team match next week? So I'll leave the Spanish with you. Not my not my forte, so I'll let you <laughs> But, uh... No, I love the stable. Santos Escobar is a fucking star. <laughs> Look at the guy. Looks the part, plays the part. Amazing. Elstrella, I think is how you say it in Spanish. Now, again, that's not it's not 100% on point, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Elstrella, is, is star in Spanish. We'll take it. So, uh, <laughs> no, I think he's great. I think he looks the part, can play the part. I think the gimmick alone and the way they're presenting him, he's not just stuck with the Cruiserweight division. I think he can be even bigger than that. So, good stuff, I think. It's interesting to see their debut next week. It should be a decent match. Not the biggest Brazongo fan of Drake Maverick, but just a small, quick little few to start off this stable. We can take over for Undisputed Hour once they leave. So I think, like we always say, they always seem to uh, replenish the pot pretty well. And this stable, I'm not going to say the name because I'm going to butcher it. I just I think they're, they're going to be great. So I think it's a great uh, new stable for NXT, and they can take over right where Undisputed Hour left it. 
I agree. I agree. I'm really digging the stable so far. Escobar screams star from the look, the entrance theme that they need to release at some point. They actually just put up Bailey's yesterday, which I sent to you, and uh, Candice LeRae news theme. So hopefully they upload his pretty soon as well. But um, yeah, so with this match, did you say El Legado del Fantasma is going over or the baby faces? They have to. I mean, come on. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to say Maverick and Brazongo. I know it's their first match as a trio, but it's not Escobar on his own. I think it's more about Escobar than it is the stable on the whole. And I think if they're going to build to a rematch with Maverick and Escobar, they got to have him win something. So I'm going to say Maverick um, probably pins Mendoza or likely Wild. And I'll go with, I'll go with Mendoza. I think he pins Mendoza. Um, so you got the heels. I got the baby faces. Next week, the rematch between Damian Priest and Cameron Grimes, two of your lesser favorites in NXT, I know. Um, Cameron Grimes won the first one last week on the show after an injured Damian Priest could not continue, and, and Grimes took advantage of that storyline injury. Who wins the second one, Grimes or Priest? Um, I guess it makes sense a Priest one here. Not a big fan of either guy, but I mean, I think they're both capable wrestlers, just don't really care about either of them individually, so... We'll see, but I, I think you have uh, Priest come over here. Yeah, I think so as well. I think he avenges the loss, especially coming off the loss of the Finn Balor takeover. He needs like a, a notable win, so um, I think this is it. Mia Yim versus Candice LeRae. I put Candice Yim in the notes. I don't know why, but Candice LeRae in a street fight after what went down between the two on the Great American Bash night one with them brawling backstage. Their first match a couple of weeks ago before takeover about a month ago ended, I believe, in a no contest or a DQ or whatever. Uh, this one I could see going either way, but I think Candice, you know, she has more momentum right now. She went heel. I think it would be foolish to not go with her as the winner. So I got Candice. What say you, Mr. Marceau? I completely agree. I like Miam a lot, but, I mean, I don't think she's winning the title. I think Candice has chances of being a new title contender, so I think Candice goes over here. And they could always build the Candice and EO, but with the roles reversed, with EO in the babyface role, and Candice as the heel. Exactly. After their awesome matches about a year ago at TakeOver Toronto 2 and then on NXT a couple weeks later. Um, and then we get to the main event, which we talked about a bit in depth last week here on the show, but I'll ask your two cents for it on it again. Adam Cole versus Keith Lee, winner-take-all match main event for the NXT North American Championship and the NXT Championship. I thought the prime target special they did last night in NXT was tremendous. I thought that was awesome. Um, They need to air that shit on Raw, on SmackDown, get people talking about this show, get people talking about this match. This is the most excited I've been for like a TakeOver title, like a NXT Championship match in a while. And that's saying something, because I look forward to the Dream matches, I look forward to Ciampa and Cole, but like Lee and Cole has never been done on NXT T- uh, on NXT TV before. I'm um, only in like the World's Collide tournament a couple of years ago, and um, you know Lee's been a great champion. Cole's been a great champion. Two of the best champions this brand has seen in a long time. So I'm really excited for this match. Um, again, I thought the hype was great. The match would be great. But who wins, RJ? Your thoughts in the build. But who wins? Lee Cole winner take all. Build's been great. I enjoyed what they did last night. I, I thought that was good. Little. Uh montage they had there of them kind of talking going over with, with this match and like you said first time ever I think I don't know I'm excited like you said I haven't been this excited for a match in a while and I mean it's gonna be a good one I, I gotta go with Keith Leith I think he's the one uh, to be Adam Cole and uh, take over the reins as the uh, big dog on NXT the one to beat the one in the longest reigning NXT championship reign of all time you're saying Correct. Of course, of course. Yeah, I got to agree. Keith Lee is the man. Limitless Lee has got to go over and become the new NXT champion. He's the guy. 
He's the guy. Uh, do you think Karrion Cross emerges into the title picture again afterward and beats Lee for the belt at some point? Where does Karrion Cross factor in all of this? Um, I'm not quite sure. Like you said, they did tease it last week, but I don't know. I'd give him a little bit more time, kind of get some a little bit more exposure before you go right for the main belt. But um, I mean, I could see him down the line facing Lee and winning the belt as well. So I, I would, I would definitely have Lee win here. And maybe do him and Cross next, but I I, I would have Cross uh, get a couple more wins first and then uh, go for the belt. I mean, I think we can agree, though, that regardless of how great this match is going to be, uh, I think a fuck finish with Cross interfering would be absolutely the wrong call, right? Oh, definitely. No, I want a clean finish here. I don't want... I don't want some shenanigans. Even if Cole wins, it's got to be clean. Like, or at least with interference or whatever. No, no, like, DQ, no shenanigans. Yeah, make it as clean as possible. Um, have Lee do something before the match to have Undisputed Era get fended off either by Dream and Loomis or just Loomis. They got to do something to get that, you know, to get that interference out of the way because it feels like they interfere a lot as well. But, uh, yeah, I got Keith Lee going over as a uh, both NXT and North American champion. So we move on over to Fighter Fest Night 1 from last night as well. An equally entertaining show on Wednesday night. We kicked off the show with Jurassic Express's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus beating MJF and Wardlow. I like the match, but Mr. Marceau, you didn't like the tension tease between MJF and Wardlow. Can you explain? Yeah, I mean, I thought the match was good. I just, I don't know. I, it's too early. I feel like they're like teasing them breaking up, and it's way too goddamn early. I mean, <laughs> can't have a divorce if you've only been married for two months i don't know i just mm-hmm. they did the same thing with mjf and cody i felt like felt like they broke them up way too soon and they didn't get all the uh all the gal and I, I i fear that they're gonna just shit the bed on this like pairing that's amazing i love the pairing between mjf and wardlow i think wardlow's still extremely green so i i, I don't know why you'd break them up for mjf and kind of push him as a single but if that was me i i would i would keep them together for a, for a lot longer but the way that they're teasing tension, I, I fear for them to be splitting up, and then who fucking knows what goes on after that. I mean, I think that'd just be the dumb call. That'd be the wrong call. I mean, would in that case, I, I don't know they are doing that. I explained to you before we went live here that I think they just did that to give them an out for losing because Wardlow's only lost maybe one or two matches so far in AEW. First time teaming, they lost to the regular tag team. It makes sense. Jurassic Express needed to win. They've been losers for a while. Yeah, they beat the fucking, you know, the losers on Dark. Who gives a shit? Like, they haven't won any important matches in a long time. They needed this win. They got the win. I was happy with the result. But yeah, I don't like the whole tension teased. I think they only did that to give them an out for losing. But would they do MJF and Wardlow at All Out instead of MJF versus John Moxley, which is what it should be, Mr. Marceau? I hope to God, though. Like I said, keep them together longer. Um, MGF, that promo before that match was fucking money. I mean, probably one of the <laughs> best promos I've, seen, I've heard in a while. So, like I said, the guy's a star. He's one of the reasons, at least I watch AEW regularly. I mean, he's, like I said, he's probably one of the best, one of the best heels in wrestling and probably one of my favorite acts in wrestling as a whole. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing with him. I understand they're probably dragging their feet a little bit, but I mean, the guy's been undefeated. Has not got pinned. He's number one in the rankings. He's been number one in the rankings the whole whole year. And has not got one title shot. Makes um, <laughs> no sense. And he's still number one. I don't get it. He's still number one. Like hasn't can't, he didn't even contend for the TNT title. So is that title was pointless then? Like mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens. But I mean, I think MGF's the guy. I mean, just he he has it all. I think even last night he showed better. He looked better in the ring. His promo works great. 
Um, it'd be, I think they need a strike now and the iron's hot. Eventually, I think people might just get sick of him or kind of get over him if he's just not doing anything. So, I mean, I would keep pushing him, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it would be one thing if it was like, okay, Wardlow, you know, in you know, inadvertently cost him the championship, and they won the belt, or MJF won the championship, and then Wardlow was the reason why he lost it. Like, I can kind of see them breaking up after he drops the championship, but he hasn't even fucking gone for it yet, dude. Like, it makes no sense to break him up from his heavy, and then he has no help going into a championship match at all out. And it'd be one thing if it wasn't working, and they split it up like the Nightmare Collective, which sucked, but it is working, so I don't know why you would do that. So I'm hoping it was a red herring. I know they teased it about a month and a half ago in that Battle Royal. We've heard nothing on it since, so I'm really hoping it goes nowhere, and we do see MJF versus Moxley at the pay-per-view. But then, again, how do you get to that point? Yeah, he's number one in the rankings, but he just lost to Jurassic Express. So that's why I hate the whole rankings thing, because it's it's just so silly to me. Um, that hopefully, maybe, again, that's why he should have been on the show facing freaking Christopher Daniels or something. At least beating some single star of the tag team shit. Who cares? Why are they facing Jurassic Express still? Why? It makes no sense. They gotta move on from this nonsense. He's done multiple times, too. Like, it, yeah. It, it, that's another reason why the finish made no sense. They beat him, so, they beat him handily three or four times, and why the hell would you have him lose? I don't know. Just, uh, like yeah. you said, he should have faced someone, maybe not a top guy, but Someone decently in the singles, like you said, maybe Christopher Daniels, like Kazarian, one of them, that'd be a perfect guy. He needs Scorpio Sky and just mm-hmm. good win, keeping the momentum going. But losing a title match, the team they've already beaten fucking 20 times, I mean, come on. Totally agree. Um, I really did like the AEW Women's Championship match, though, between Akura Shida and Penelope Ford. Um, I thought Ford looked the best that she ever has, which is unsurprising considering that Shida is awesome. Um, but yeah, th- again, as we were talking about before we got on the uh, show here, before we jumped on the podcast, that it's really all about the aftermath with Penelope Ford, because if she has a great performance here, and they have her go right back to facing Big Swole on Dark next week, or the next month or two, then it's all for nothing. Or as soon as Britt Baker and Chris Statlander get back, and she goes back to doing nothing, or being the valet for Kip Sabian, this was a waste. I mean, it was a great performance, but now they gotta capitalize. Maybe they weren't expecting her to go in there and have this great match, but... Then again, they had her kick out of the Falcon Arrow at least once, maybe twice. So that says a lot to how they view Penelope Ford. And as they should, she is good. She's improving. She's not the best in that division by a mile. But by, you know, she's not the greatest at all. But she's getting better. And I'm glad she got the opportunity. I enjoyed the match. Sheeta winning was obviously the right call. Um, but what do you think they go with Penelope Ford from here, RJ? Did you like the performance you put in on this show? Yeah, I thought she had a great performance. I mean... Definitely the best match she's had so far. It's not saying a lot, but definitely the best match she's had so far in uh, AEW. But like you just said, we discussed this before, that it all depends on what they do with her now. If she she goes in there and, like you said, on dark, facing Big Swole, or just kind of not in the title picture, it's all for a waste. Uh, I think it's one of those things that they kind of had to push her in this role due to the injuries, which obviously sucks. But, I mean, if the whole point of giving someone – a good showing and losing is hopefully building them, building them up and like making a star out of them. If they just kind of lay her by the waist and she doesn't do anything, it's kind of a waste of time and doesn't do anything. You can put someone over, but if it doesn't actually get them over, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like everyone, all the young bucks are losing all these guys, all these teams. They lost to like private party in the beginning and a couple other teams and they didn't get them over at all. Yeah. They beat them and put them over, but didn't actually get them over as a team. No one even knows who the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. One of those things, if you're going to put someone over, you got to make sure you go all the way and then actually get them over. Yeah, she had a good performance, but like I said, it's one of those things that Britt Baker and 
Statlander come back and they just push her down the card again, it's all for nothing. Yeah. So time will tell as the, as far as what they do with her and where she goes from here. But I commend her performance that she looks really, really good in defeat. And Sheeta, dude, if, if she holds that championship for a while, as she should, she could have a great reign ahead of her. Because she could have some really, really good matches. Rio, I could not name one quality match that she had as champion. I remember the Statlander match not being good at all. The Nyla Rose matches were, were good, but I mean, the, the second one where she lost the belt was probably the better of the two. Um, the Emi Sakura match from, what was it, Revolution or the fucking Full Gear show? Pfft, who gives a shit? Who, who fucking cared? So, um, I think Sheeta's already off to a strong start. I like the Nyla Rose match a double or nothing. She beat that Red Velvet woman in like 30 seconds last week on the show, and now she won this week, so I thought it was a really good match, and hopefully when we get her and Britt Baker again at some point, maybe even as soon as All Out, then, um, yeah, they'll have uh, as great of chemistry as they did a couple of months ago. So also in the show, we saw Cody defend the TNT, AEW TNT Championship against Jake Hager, and I thought I was watching WWE Superstars for a moment when the match first started, but um, it not, that's not to say it was a bad match, but they never had great chemistry. It's not like, oh, my, man, those Cody Jack Swagger matches from SmackDown back in 2013, they were so good. Never, not really. Nah, they never really had a feud, but... You know, Cody's very good. Cody's actually quite great, but he's got to be in there with someone that who can be interesting. And that's not to say the matches are always going to be amazing. I thought the MJF match was kind of a disappointment. The Lance Archer match was kind of mediocre. And this wasn't really all that great either. I thought the Ricky Starks match was better than this. I thought the match he had with Jungle Boy was better than this. Um, this was just you know, it was kind of there. It was a typical Jack Swagger, Jake Hager match. And it was all right. But way too much interference. Way too much interference. The Dustin Rhodes bullshit. The Arn Anderson bullshit. I know they're trying to protect Hager in defeat. Maybe get him suspended by punching a referee. But I don't know. That, that kind of ruined the match for me personally, Mr. Marceau. Yeah, I mean, it just it's one of those things. Never been a big Jake Hager fan. I think he's just okay in the ring. Not the greatest. And just this match alone kind of just proved that. I mean, it just... I like Cody a lot. I think Cody can mostly have good matches with... With pretty much anyone, like you said, that Ricky Starks match was good. The Jungle Boy match was good. Uh, Mark the uh, Mark Quinn, was, yeah. Mark Quinn was good. I mean, this just kind of fell flat. It kind of reminded me of the Moxley Hager match. It's, it just kind of was there. Um, I just the interference, like, like you said, maybe get him suspended. Who who, who cares? I mean, and the worst the worst part is the way the finish was when he had him basically trying to submit him, and then Cody kind of rolled him or kind of rolled him over and pinned him. That means we're getting it again. So that's like the even worse part. And it's like, match wasn't really that good. was hoping Cody just beat and move on. But it seems like they're probably going to do it again just with that kind of finish. And I'm not looking forward to it at all. No, not at all. So a rematch, no thanks. I'd rather see Cody move on to other challengers that are more interesting than uh, Jake Hager. I would rather see Cody versus Scorpio Sky. I would love to see Cody versus... Uh, Christopher Daniels, that's both SCU guys. But I'm trying to think, are there, are there is there anyone else that jumps out to you as being a potential challenger that you would like to see? A Dustin Rhodes for me would be cool. I know they had a great match at Double or Nothing last year. Mm, it would be nice with him and Phoenix. Him if Ooh, they did him. Yeah, and okay, yeah, definitely. I mean, they can. That would be. I think that would be a couple good matches. Um, Jungle Boy, they already did. I'm trying to think who else. Um, one of the yeah, Young just, Bucks or one, maybe, a member of the Elite, yeah. maybe. Uh, maybe like Paige or Omega if they ever, once they break up. I mean, I think that that possibilities are endless, but definitely Phoenix and uh, Pentagon would be on the top of my list. Yeah, Pentagon and Phoenix would be sick. I don't think they've ever... I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've ever seen Cody versus them before. Not, definitely not in AEW, but 
I don't know if they ever had a match in any other promotion. I know Cody faced Ricochet at a Northeast Wrestling Show he went to a couple of years ago. I don't know if he ever faced Pentagon or Phoenix, though. Were but, uh, Pentagon and Phoenix and TNA when he was there? No, no. So, yeah, Cody was there in 2015, I think 20... or um, No, sorry, 2016, 2017 for a little while. And then the Lucha Bros came in in 2018. So they never had a chance to uh, be there at the same time. They may have been there when Brandy Rhodes was still putting in shit matches, but that's a different <laughs> rant for a different day. Uh, thank God she wasn't in action on the show. But we did get Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz. Good match, but like... I don't know, I feel like with both these teams, they're kind of in a similar spot, dude, where it didn't really matter to me who won, in that, you know, Private Party and the Lucha Bros, I'm sorry, not the Lucha Bros, Santana and Ortiz, they both got big wins over the Young Bucks last year, before going on to do nothing. Like, we were there for the Private Party win, they went on to do nothing, we've talked about it before, but they're going for the tag titles next week, I don't see that outcome being any different, maybe it will, and I would love to see that, I love Private Party. But Santana and Ortiz, dude, just feel like lackeys in the inner circle. Honestly, I would have had them win. I figured that the babyfaces would win, and I'm glad they did. Uh, and actually, no, I think I thought Santana and Ortiz would win. I think that was my pick last week, so I was wrong. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like they've been losing a lot lately, and they're just... And TNA, I know there's something to be said about being you know, a big fish in a small pond, but they could be... They, why aren't they... That's, I don't know. I don't. They haven't even gone for the tag titles yet. That's the weird thing. Like, it'd be one thing, okay... You know, Paige and Omega retain on the show. Santana and Ortiz are the next team to take the belts off of Paige and Omega, but they're not, and they won't be. It'll likely be FTR, which is cool, too, but I don't know. I feel like what we kind of said about FTR with them bringing them in and be getting lost in the shuffle, thankfully with them that hasn't happened yet, but it's definitely already happened with Santana and Ortiz. They just feel like another team at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, mean, I would never was big on Impact, but I'm a, I remember when they came... Impact and those great matches with the Lucha Bros. And I, I mean, I was excited for them to go to AEW. I'm like, oh, they, you know, they're going to put a lot of emphasis on tag teams. They were great in Impact. See what happens. Like I said, they got that big one over the Young Bucks and basically been lackeys, basically, for the Inner Circle. I mean, the Inner Circle, at this point, I mean, they are all haven't really won anything of importance lately, so we'll see what happens with the group as a whole. But, I don't know, Santana Ortiz thought there would be a bigger deal and kind of handled better, and they've kind of just, like you said, been another tag team. It's It's... It's one of those things is a lot of the teams have been like that though. It just when you have a lot of good to great teams, it just there's you can't push everyone. So it is what I understand that aspect as well. But I don't know. It should be like there should still be some special teams besides Hangman and, and uh, Omega. Like besides F in besides them, FTR. Everyone else is kind of the same. Like the Bucks, LAX, Best Friends. I mean, they're like. I don't know. It just they don't. They don't there's not. There's not, They're not special to me. It just. They need to make me care more about those teams. Like Jungle Express, uh, Jurassic Express, another example. Um, Dark Order. I mean, not that I really care, but like they've, they've been. They were winning, and then now they haven't done anything with them. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But I think they need to start kind of. The rankings don't help either. I mean, it kind of looks silly, but some of those things you gotta make me feel. Make them feel special, like. Natural Nightmares, they were, oh, they're 5-0. and oh. Okay, they beat a bunch of losers on Dark. Why would I care? <laughs> exactly. And same with, like, Penelope Ford or, like, oh, they won on Dark last night. They faced, like, jobbers. Like, I don't, that doesn't make me want to see them. Like, that's the, that's another, like, and they've already beat the Bucks. So, it's like, that's the big rub that they were going to get. They already beat them and nothing came out of it. Like, if they beat them again, who would give, who, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I think they just kind of, 
not pigeonhole, but I don't know. They they need to be booking the tag teams better. Make me care about them more. But like, especially once it's one of those things. Like Omega, back to what we talked about earlier. Omega Page is beat everybody. Yep. So it's coming to the point. Once they lose the belts, it's like everyone else is a bunch of losers. Then they beat everyone like some people multiple times. So if they lose to FTR and then they split back the singles and then FTR is facing the best friends again, who they just lost the champions twice. Twice, it's like who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. It's, that's. They're starting to kind of get in, like, WWE territory of once that person loses or moves on, they're fucked. So, we'll see what happens, but they just need to book the tag teams better. Yeah, no, I agree. They have a lot of talented tag teams. That's not the problem. It's how they handle them. And that's not to say every team doesn't feel special, but they are lacking in special teams. And they have special teams. They just don't feel that way. With Santana and Ortiz specifically, I, I think I would just have them. I, at, at this point, dude, you might just have to break up the inner circle. I know it's one week, but like Hager lost here. Santana and Ortiz have not won for a while. Jericho is probably going to win next week, which we'll get to momentarily. Sammy Guevara is gone right now. All this shit about like I see all like, oh, I mean, Inner Circle, they're the better faction in Undisputed Air because they've been around for like eight months. But it already feels like they're at the end of the road, though. Like the fact that Undisputed Air has been around for three or four years at this point, and they're still like, maybe not super special, but they win more often than not. They have held a lot of championships. The Inner Circle's been around since October. Doing what? What have they done, though? Like, they, they're entertaining, sure, but, like, at least Undisputed Era, they're entertaining, but they can win most of the time. The fucking Inner Circle, Jericho's lost last his last three big matches. He lost the World Championship. San, and Santana and Ortiz have done nothing. Jake Hager's won no big matches at all. Sammy Guevara's won no big matches at all. They lost the Stadium Stampede. They all lost on this show. So why the fuck should I care? You know what I mean? Like, it's a very... I don't know. The whole That's just part of the AEW bias, I think, in my opinion. Like, oh, you know, they're the inner circle. They're fresher because they've only been around for eight months. Yeah, they have been. But in those eight months, what have they done? Aside from make funny promos. Like, that's great. But, like, they haven't really won anything of importance at all. Like... I mean, I don't... I mean, you're better with memory. I don't, They weren't even together when Jericho won the belt either. So it's not even like they've even won anything when they're a team. Right? Mm-hmm. Jericho already had a belt. Right? Wait, are you yes. saying that did they win anything while well, while Jericho was champion? So Jericho was champion before they started the group, right? Yes, and then he formed the group and yeah, yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah, so basically since the group started, they haven't won anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really? It's I mean, just, I don't know, like, it's one of those things at first, like, when they were first doing the stuff with the Elite and stuff, it was pretty interesting. Right when Dynamite started, but ever since then, I feel like they've cooled off a lot. And like you said, they, they just don't win when it matters most. And why would you care? Well, because it's Jericho and you can sing his theme song. Like, come on. Yeah. The same thing mm-hmm. with WWE, people would be complaining. Oh my God, the team's buried. Yada, yada, yada. Like, it is one of those things they need to be booked better, or what's the point of even having them together? Well, it felt like when they put them together in the first place, they were just here, to, they were just there to put over the elite. That was really what it felt like, and they were going to blow it off a lot sooner than they did because of the blood and guts thing, and then they didn't. It really, like, it only really feels like they existed for the blood and guts match, or for a multi-man tag team match against the Elite. That's done now, dude. So where do you go with these guys? I'm not saying break them up, but it might be for the better. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying break them up, but you might have to break them up, like, I don't know, I don't really see what, like, Jericho at this point, he's a big star all on his own. And, yeah, well, I'm going to give the rub to Sammy. Well, how have you given the rub to Sammy? What has Sammy done? They beat Natural Nightmares one time? Like, 
<laughs> the guy's not even on the show right now. And that's not that's not anyone's fault except for Sammy. But Santana and Ortiz are just fucking losers. Like, I mean, even the Lucha Bros have won more matches than them, and that's saying something because they've lost a lot too. But it's, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> it's like they're Jake like, Hager oh, ain't interesting either. So that doesn't help. Yeah, but it's like one of those things they say that Santana Ortiz. Oh, they're gonna get a title match. Like they beat Santana Ortiz, they're not even ranked. Who cares? Like why? Like that's another thing. Wins and losses matter. Well, like. Beating a team that's not ranked gets you a tag team. Like, it's the same with the actual nightmares, but it's like, why, why would I, like, why should they get title matches? They just beat a team that's not even ranked. Yeah, exactly. Like, how is this... Back, enough- it all comes back to that, but like yeah. you said, I don't know. I think the whole point of the group was maybe to try to get Sammy over, same with LAX, but it has not worked at all. No, I mean, they're over. It's just that they aren't really... I don't see Guevara taking that belt off of Cody. I don't. I, I think MJF is a perfect example because they wanted him in the inner circle, and I don't know if it was his idea or the company's decision, but they were like, "No, we'll keep MJF on his own." Thank God he did. And granted, I mean, he's a little directionless right now, as we've said, but he's been far better off than anyone in the inner circle combined, except for maybe Jericho. That's really about it. Like he's much better off than Sammy Hager, Santana, Ortiz, and the guy's been all on his own for the last eight months. I mean, with Wardlow, but he's not a part of a faction. It's a wrestler in his bodyguard. That's it. That's what it is. So, I don't know. The whole the whole faction thing, we've never really been too high on that to begin with. But, yeah, just they, they got to move on from this thing if it ain't going to work. Santana and Ortiz just feel like losers. Why was this a number one contenders tag team match if, as you said, Santana and Ortiz aren't even ranked? Shouldn't it come down to, okay, best friends with the number one spot, then who's two and three? I don't even know. I don't look at the rankings anymore. They mean nothing. Uh, best friends are... I have it up here. Best friends are one. Stu Grayson and Evil Luna are two. And then the Young Bucks are three. Then why wasn't it Dark Order versus Young Bucks? Why would it be... Why would two teams that aren't even in the top three rankings, including a team that isn't even in the top five, why would they be... Again, I know, I know why they did this. I know they're doing that next week to make up for Moxley and Cage. But if you really want to live up to this whole ranking bullshit then why wouldn't the Dark Order have gotten a title shot by now? I know they haven't been, they haven't wrestled in a while. They haven't won any important matches because they were in quarantine. Wait, you're saying they're number two? Is that what you said? Yeah, Best Friends are one, Dark Order's two, and Young Bucks are three. How are then they... It, then it's Natural Nightmares, then Private Party. How is... Oh, my God, dude. How is the Dark... I like the Dark Order, personally. How are they still number two if they were gone for, like, three months? They oh, haven't six... even wrestled on the show. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! This just—I don't even look at this shit. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. <laughs> I enjoy the matches, but the logic is just oh, you know, fuck WWE because AEW is their wins and loss records because it means shit. It doesn't mean anything, dude. It's the same. You can say the same thing with the men's. It's like MJF's one. He hasn't done anything. He's like facing underneath guys. Two's Brian Cage going for the title. Lance Archer's three. He's been on dark the last four weeks. Brody Lee's fourth. Hasn't really, he's kind of the loss, and then Jericho. So why the hell Hager get a shot? That's like another thing. It's like he's not even ranked. What in the TNT one? Yeah, there's a TNT they, one too. I didn't even know to be honest with you. They put, no, they they put the TNT and World Championships in the same ranking. So what are they? The same like? That, I don't get that's that. no, that makes no sense. They're in the same ranking pool, which makes no sense. But it's like, what's the point? Uh, why would you even have rankings for that for that thing? Well, yeah, which first of all it makes no sense. But why would you even have rankings for it if the guy does an open challenge every week anyway? He gives it to freaking Mark Quinn of Private Party. <laughs> Come on, knows? dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I just, I mean, I know you just got to sit back and enjoy it. You know, the Marks will be like, oh, just, why do you think about it too much? It's just wrestling. Listen, I fucking agree with you. But the problem is that they're saying, this company is telling me that, oh, you know, wins and losses matter. The power rankings matter. Do they really, though? I mean, they really don't. I mean, yeah, in most cases they do. Actually, in some cases, not all of them. Definitely not most. But, like, when you look at the card, like, why is Jake Hager getting a title shot? He hasn't done least, anything. At least with Penelope before, she's second in the ranking, but Nyla Rose is first, who she'd already beat twice. So, I mean, yeah, that makes that, sense. that makes sense. It, again, I hate the fucking, I hate that shit when they, pin the, when they pin the champion, but she pinned the champion. I mean, I get why they did it. And it wasn't a singles match, it was a tag team match. And I don't like that stuff, but I get it. WWE, they do number one contenders matches. Yeah, if they put freaking Zack Ryder in there, who isn't employed anymore, but if they put him in there versus um, an MJF or whatever, then yeah, I get it. That wouldn't make sense. But when they had Andrade, Angel Garza, and Kevin Owens in that number one contenders match for the U.S. Championship a couple weeks ago, right before Backlash, it made sense because they're all in the hunt. They're not ranked one and six and 12 and 37. Like They're all in the storyline for the title, so it makes sense to put them in the match. Wins and losses, dude. I'm sorry to break it to all the, the, the marks out there. And we're all marks. I shouldn't say that. But, like, I hate to break it to people who still think it's real. It doesn't really matter. Wrestling should be more storyline-based anyway. Wins and losses should matter, and I absolutely agree. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. But, like, the whole ranking stuff, sometimes you have to do what's best for the storyline and not the wins and losses. Because you're sacrificing a good story. And if you want to tell a good story, and they are, then you're sacrificing the credibility of the rankings. You can't have it both ways. You can't. It's one of the things you have to mix storytelling and the way you tell the stories, they have to make the rankings mean something. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, if you want this team to go for the titles, they might, you need to put the story of them winning to get to that point. You can't just be like, well, well now they're, they're, that's what we want to have them. And I'm like, it's one of those things. I mean, no one else really does it. So I understand there probably is some, probably some kind of hiccups trying to do it. But it's like you said, when they keep forcing, Wins and losses matter. It's a sport-based wrestling company, which it isn't. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not. No, come on. Oh, we're going to be the American version of New Japan. It's going to be sport-based. I mean, no, it's not. It's fucking more com- It has as much comedy as fucking WWE has. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens, but they, they definitely need to clean that up. Um, and just, just make more people. I feel like there's just not a lot of people mean a lot. Just They, they just need to kind of be better on... Making stars and then actually capitalizing. Like, I love MJF. I think he's a star. But they're not doing anything with him. Like, he's sometimes not even on Dynamite. If he is, he's in the crowd with the other losers. <laughs> with John Spears in yeah. his glove. Why the fuck down the crowd? That's like saying on NXT TV, if, if Keith Lee was on TV sitting in the crowd. Like, that'd be stupid. <laughs> exactly. So, we'll see what happens. Uh... But I just think to make people mean more and make more stars feel special. So they, they don't have a lot. But do feel special. If they had more people that felt special, then why is MJF facing Jurassic Express for the fifth time? And not a, and not a bigger single star. You know what I mean? It just it's one of those things too. It's like I like Brian Cage too, and I think he he could be a big deal. But once he loses the Moxie, what the, what's he going to be the uh, Brody Lee treatment and going to stupid tag team that no one cares about? I mean, come on. Yeah, team of Cole Cabana and face the Dark Order or face uh, face SCU or something, which he's in a bad spot to be in. Brody was clearly. I don't really blame them for that because that was a clearly a. Uh, a last-minute decision. It was supposed to be someone else in that spot, so I don't really blame them for that, but I totally agree. I'm looking forward to next week with Moxley and Cage, but, like, what do you do with Cage after that? Does he go to... Does he get the Lance... I don't think Brody Lee's a fair... Uh, is a fair comparison. I would say Lance Archer. What happened to Lance Archer? He's been on He's been on dark for the last month, squashing losers. It took him five minutes to beat fucking Lee Johnson recently, or whoever, whoever it was. 
Why? Pineapple Pete. Pineapple, why, dude? Why would it take five minutes to beat Pineapple Pete? Who gives a shit? <laughs> oh, next week he's facing Joey Janela. Cool, he should squash him in two minutes. Who gives a fuck? I don't give a shit about Joey, Dan- Joey Janela. Why do they think... I'm sorry, but if you watch if you watch Fighter Fest next week over Great American Bash, I mean, choose what you will, but, like, looking at the two cards, it ain't even close. I mean, Lance Archer versus... You can watch Lance Archer versus Joey Janela or Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. I mean, I'm sorry. Or Mia Yim and Candice, and, and Candice uh, LeRae in a street fight. Or you can watch Nyla Rose face an unknown opponent. I mean, RJ. Really? I mean, come on. I think it's... Yeah. It's, it's not their fault because Moxley and Cage, they had to bump it, which is definitely the right call. And I think they were going to be like, oh, you're cleared. You can wrestle next week. Or I think they're going to they're gonna tape it today. They're going to tape it today. And he said, no, like, I want to be safe and tape it in two weeks or something. I'm like, good. Like, it makes sense. I want to see it next week, too. But, like, no, the, you're fucking living with someone who has the coronavirus. That's stupid, even if he is negative. You got to wait. You can't pick and choose just because he's the world champion. So I'm glad they're waiting until the, the fight for the Fallen show. But, like, without that happening next week, it's a wash. Like, I, I, if, if, New, if NXT doesn't get a higher rating than Dynamite next week, they're fucked. Because there's no way that the Fighter Fest show is more musty on paper than Great American Bash. I completely agree. But speaking of which, right call, wrong call, um, Cage and Moxley happening in two weeks. Fight for the Fallen. I mean, if he's with someone that has the vid, I mean, I would be... I would, I would go... They've been pretty well with this, too, so, I mean... I'm kind of surprised that they were trying to get it to do earlier. I mean, I understand he's the champion, but it's a fucking global pandemic going on. I would have held off like they, what they're doing or planning on doing now. Not sure exactly why they're doing another like special show. Maybe just because it's the title match and make it seem a little bit more special. But um, I would I would have definitely waited. I'm kind of glad they did, but it's kind of silly that they wanted to force it when his wife has it. Like I said, even though he's negative, he can still carry it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so, no, that would have been dumb. So I'm, I'm glad they're holding off on that. Uh, we kind of talked about this, but Paige and Omega beating best friends to retain the AEW World Tag Team titles. Quality match, enjoyed the main event, didn't really reach that next gear, as you said to me before the show. Completely agree. Um, it was a good match, but with the matches that I've seen from Paige and Omega before, I don't know, maybe it's the crowd thing, but it really felt like they've lost a lot of momentum over the last couple months. I know Paige wasn't there for a while, but like ever since they came back together, they haven't had a lot of like truly great matches. Like, they faced, I think, the Super Bad Squad or whatever the fuck their names are. It was good, but it wasn't great. They faced Natural Nightmares. I mean, that really speaks for itself. And this should have been a great match, but it was just kind of there. And maybe it's because they only had, like, 12 minutes to work with. I don't know. But it just never really felt like the titles were truly in jeopardy of changing hands. And I thought Best Friends were winning, too. And I just didn't really feel like... Didn't really have a big fight feel uh, come bell time. So what were your thoughts on the match, RJ? Was it the right result with uh, Paige and Omega holding on to the gold? Definitely the right result. I mean, we discussed this last week. I, I, I would keep Omega Page together as long as possible. I love them together. Makes me kind of care about Kenny a little bit more. I love Adam Page. So, that was a good match. Um, like I said, I put it down in my notes here. Just didn't feel like it hit the second gear. Uh, they didn't. They only had 12, 13 minutes. I, I just didn't think it actually got to that next level. Kind of like a nice big main event tag match. And the ending kind of just seemed not like rush. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, glad to see Paige and Omega win, but like I said, it just basically they're teasing them in FTR, so I, I guess they're going to probably. If, I mean, I, I hope they beat Private Party. Holy shit! But um, if they beat Private Party, maybe do them in FTR. 
but like like we said before, they don't need FTR in the box or the belt. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens. But I was definitely thought it was a good match. Just just wasn't like you said. I don't know if it's a crowd or kind of what's going on. It just wasn't the, their best match they've had, and I wouldn't even say it was. I've seen better matches that they've had. We'll put it as that. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree. It was a good match. Um, I would have had best friends win, but depending on where they're going with this, FTR makes sense. But like, I just don't think FTR and the Bucks need the belts. I think if Santana and Ortiz meant something right now, then you could have done them versus um, you know, Page and Omega for the belts. But I, they're definitely not going in that direction. So I don't know where they're going with this. Um, do you think, I mean, kind of going into our night, uh, Fighter Fest Night 2 predictions, do you think Private Party pick up the belts next week, or do Page and Omega retain? I mean, I think Page and Omega retain. I think this is strictly because Mox and Cage got pulled. I don't think they're really f- pushing Private Party as becoming title title winners. I just think that's more of, they needed a big match. They need a main event match. Their main event match got pulled. Might as well put their... It's probably one of the most popular acts back in for another title match. I don't think they're going to take the belts off them. Well, yeah. Should they? yeah, I don't think either. I don't I don't think so either. It should be a good match, but as we discussed before the show, they've already beaten Private Party before, so I don't know. I, I want to see new teams in there. The Dark Order, people don't give a shit about them, but you know what? They've done, they've done a good job overall of building them up. They won a lot of matches before Grayson and Uno went into quarantine, so they should go back to that at some point. That's at least a different match, a new match. Um, them and the Lucha Bros we've seen before. They've already retained against them, so I don't know. It's it's tough. But, um, yeah, it should be a good match, though. Nyla Rose in action next week. Any thoughts on who her opponent might be? And, obviously, Nyla's going to win, right? Uh, yeah, I honestly couldn't, couldn't even tell you who her opponent's going to be. Um, you think they bring I, in someone new, or who do you think it might be? It could be. I mean, um... I don't know. I think it's. I. I think Nyla will win. I'm not sure who they'll bring in, but um, if she loses again, oh my god, their their women's division would be in big trouble. So I would never win here. Like I said, it's not their fault. Like Stalin and Britt are both getting hurt pretty close together. I mean, obviously, no one can, no one can foresee the future. But besides them, the only other real threat I would say is Nyla and. That besides that, they just underneath people that like big swole don't really care about it. I haven't seen Sadie Gibbs in like a year. <laughs> yeah, that fucking Abaddon don't give a shit about her. I hope they. <laughs> so I uh, actually was like kind of in the. I think her name's what's it, Sarah J. I, Anna J. You Anna called her Sarah J. Last week, which is funny. I don't care, Sarah J. I mean, I think she's pretty good in the ring or has the look at least. So. They could. Pro- I thought they were going to build her up, and then she lost to Abaddon. So we'll see what happens. But um, I, I, I think Nyla has to win here. Keeps some kind of cornerstone or stepping stone in that division. So maybe keep her just kind of constantly or consistently winning, and then give someone a rub to beat her to get another title shot. I think since she's already had the belt, I don't want to see her go for it anytime soon. So just keep her as like, like I said, like a stepping stone. You beat Nyla. You go for the belt next. So you're telling me you're not an Abaddon fan? I already bought you an Abaddon shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees for the sale going on this weekend. Oh god, yeah, I'm just throw it in the trash now. I this the whole the whole zombie shit. I'm all set. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's terrible. Um, it's got to be someone new. It's got to be like maybe a returning person like Statlander. It seems too soon that she'd be back this early at all. Um, I'm not really sure who else it would be, to be honest with you, from the current roster, because why else wouldn't they just announce it in advance? She already beat Big Swole right after Double or Nothing, so I don't think it's going to be Big Swole. 
Um, Britt Baker, maybe she should be back soon, but Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, I mean, heel versus heel, that just doesn't really make much sense. Um, I don't know, even if they did bring in someone new, I'm not really sure who else it would be unless it was an unknown. So uh, there's really not a lot of women out there like, oh, free agent, like Tessa maybe, but they were already advertising this before Tessa got fired. So it's not like they've had Tessa in mind this entire time. So I don't know, I guess we'll see. But Nyla Rose is probably going to win, right? Yeah, I'm going with Nyla. Yeah, I think so as well. Next up, we got Lance Archer against Joey Janela. Um, they had a brawl in the crowd last night on Fighter Fest. Easy win for Archer, right, RJ? I hope to God, yeah. I'm not the biggest Joey Janela fan. Besides his entrance music, I could give two craps about the guy. Um, his pairing with Sonny Kiss is what it is. I mean, I really don't care. <laughs> um, I guess it keeps him busy, but it's not like he's really that good and a big-time player for them, so... Should be like a quick squash for uh, Lance Archer, but knowing this company, it'll be a 10 minute back and forth. You know how Archer brings people from the back and then he just like beats the shit out of them before the match even starts? Yep. I hope he does that with Joey Janelle. He just grabs him by the braids, throws him in the ring, does his finisher on him, and then the match is over in like 30 seconds. Hopefully, but like I said, I, I fear that'll be like a 10-minute back and forth. Oh, of course. Everything's got to be a 10-minute back and forth. Jurassic Express facing these five losers on, on Dark. That's got to be back and forth. Santana and Ortiz got to be back and forth with Lee Johnson. Dude, not everything has to be a competitive match. Every, <laughs> some matches can be two and a half minutes. Not everything has to be 15 minutes. The Young Bucks versus the, the Predator, Jimmy Havoc, and Kip Sabian, that doesn't have to be 15 minutes. I hate this notion that everything has to be great wrestling. Listen, NXT does that sometimes, too. It's not just AEW. But some matches can be shorter. Karrion Cross squashing Bronson Reed in two and a half minutes last week. Could have been longer? Sure. But the fact they put crossover strong? Perfect. That's all it needed to be. Did it have to be a 20-minute classic? No. Not every match has to be this instant classic, dude. I fucking hate that notion. But um, SCU versus Dark Orders, Brody Lee, Stu Grayson, and Colt Cabana... Um, is Colt Cabana now Colt, C-U-L-T Cabana, R-J, and do they win here? Um, I think so. I think that's the story they're telling. Uh, keep picking up victories for Colt. He hasn't really won much on his own, so get that Dark Order push, and uh, I think the story they're telling he's going to win here. I, I, I don't know if he's going to join the Dark Order. Do I, I don't really care either, but um, I think they win here. Pick up a win. Yeah, I think so as well. I like SCU, but I think the win goes to the Dark Order, and we'll see what happens with them from there. Um, going back to the tag team division, the Young Bucks and FDR versus the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Bros. I mean, I was going to say actually an easy win for the Bucks and FTR, but I don't think so. They've beaten, you know, all their teams in recent weeks. FTR was supposed to face Natural Nightmares last week, but they didn't. They still beat um, SCU, which was a great match. The Young Bucks have beaten uh, the Butcher and the Blade, uh, you know, as FTR have. I think the heels are out of victory. Not that they're out of victory, but I think if they want to build the Bucks and FTR, they're going to have to tease tension, so they lose. I think um, the, I mean, I don't give a fuck about Butcher and Blade, but if this was the super bad squad, that I would say, yeah, the, the faces, you know, the Bucks and FTR should win. But since the Lucha Bros are in there, I think that even emphasizes that much more that they should win. The Lucha Bros just came back. They needed a big win. Beating FTR and the Bucks would accomplish that. And FTR, I'm sorry, uh, the Bucks are kind of like bulletproof at this point. They can lose all the time and they're still over. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the heels. And then the Lucha Bros, Butcher, and Blade pick up the win here to, you know, further tease tension. Or rather, actually establish tension for the first time between the Bucks and FTR. Uh, do you agree with that, RJ? Or do you think the Bucks and FTR are going over? 
Well, I mean, I think you swayed me there. I was going to say Bucks easily, but um, FDR. But yeah, I mean, they haven't really teased tension. Last night they came out, but I mean, the way that they set it up was like they were being like the peacemakers there. So I, I, I guess you could like have some kind of like wonky finish with like go for a super kick, accidentally hit the revival, they just claw them out of the ring. Lucha Bros hit their finish, they pick up the win and kind of tease more ten- tease tension from there. But I don't know. I just. I think they could still win and then kind of accomplish that as well. So I'm, I'm going to say they're going to win. I just, I don't know, FTR losing already just wouldn't really sit well with me. So I'm going to go with FTR and uh, Bucks. All right. All right. Okay. Not, a, not a bad pick. We'll see. That one could go either way, so we'll see what happens. Uh, main event, what I assume will be the main event, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy with Moxley and Cage being safe for Fight for the Fallen in two weeks. Uh, I, mean, it's, it's, I would assume Jericho wins. I, I mean, I don't really see this going any other way. Orange Cassidy will likely, you know, likely look good in defeat, um, as he should, like he did with the pack match back at Revolution, which I loved. But Jericho, I mean, the guy needs a win. I mean, the guy lost a double or nothing. He lost the championship to John Moxley. The guy needs a, a big. I mean, I know it's Chris Jericho, but like losing Orange Cassidy is one step too far. So, um, I think Jericho wins here and. Uh, what do you think about the Mike Tyson match? Does that still happen at all out? So your your prediction, RJ, and what happens with Jericho? Is it Mike Tyson match confirmed for all out next month? Um, honestly, <laughs> totally forgot about that. That's how forgettable that mm. was. But uh, um, I I guess I mean technically you could have Orange win via distraction. I mean, I don't. I, I like you said. I think Jericho needs a win. I mean, losing to Orange Cassidy would not help unless there was some kind of shenanigans with Tyson, but. Which seemed kind of random. I, I, he hasn't been on the show since that kind of initial coming into the company. So yeah, I'm going with Jericho. He needs a win. Um, I, I think Orange is popular with the fans. It's, I just don't see him as a big time player really at all. So I, I, I would have Jericho win here. Um, if he lost again, yikes! Uh, yeah. Even if, even with shenanigans, I just like, I just. You need to give Jericho a couple more, like, not that he's lost momentum or anything, but just hasn't won a big match recently at all. So it's just, why would I care about him and Tyson if he's coming off four straight losses? Why would like, I care about, I mean, not, not well, you said not that. that. I don't really care anyways, but, like, yeah. as a casual, it's like, oh, Jericho and Tyson, oh, wait, he's lost his four last big matches. Why would I give a shit? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, what would be different if Orange Cassidy beat Jericho than when Jericho lost to Fandango at WrestleMania? What's the difference? Who knows? I'm just that saying. Was... I mean, I, I would. I not that I would hate Orange Cassidy winning because I, I think he's far more entertaining than Fandango. But like, he's a comedy character, dude. You're not gonna put the fucking top title on him. Jericho, at some point, I applaud his effort to put other people over. But at some point, he's got to maintain credibility for himself. I know he was undefeated for like eight months or whatever. Like, I, I get it. But, like, he should not be losing Orange Cassidy. I don't think he is going to lose to Orange Cassidy. We're kind of talking about nothing here because I don't really think it matters. But I'm just kind of emphasizing he, he's not going to lose. Like, he can't. He can't. What, what, what are you going to do with Orange Cassidy if he beats Jericho? Have him face John Moxley at all out? You won't. So it's just Jericho will win. End of story. Move on, right? I mean, I think that's that. But, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I, think it's like, I don't know. Exactly. Sometimes I fear for things that they might do. And, I mean... I don't know. I, I would at least say Jericho should win. I, I think Orange Cassidy for as a comedy guy is good. Anything higher than that? No, thank you. Um, I mean, you can't take the guy seriously, so how the hell would you have, like... 
I don't know. I, like I said, I hope Jericho, like, you you fight some battles. That one, you don't, you don't let that one happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, last question. Next week, Fighter Fest Part 2, Night 2, Great American Bash, Night 2 as well. You're going to be watching Cole versus Lee in the Great American Bash Part 2 first, or Fighter Fest Part 2 with, uh, let me check my notes here, Lance Archer versus Joey Janela. I mean, NXT next week, easily. <laughs> that's not even, uh, that's not even freaking, I'm not even thinking twice on that. I made sure last night, because I didn't want to be spoiled, so I made sure last night I was really good at not going on Twitter at all, and not Smart. having anything Smart. because I watched... Usually I go to, I usually like, if I watch AEW first, I'll watch NXT like this morning. Um, but since it was, I was so excited for EO and Sasha, I had to watch it after AEW. So, of course. It was around, it was around like 11, 11.30 by the time I watched it. So I didn't go on Twitter also. I didn't want to get ruined. But um, definitely going to watch AEW or NXT first next week. I'm fucking pumped for Cole and Lee. Um, definitely excited for that. And then we don't, uh, the other matches kind of there. I mean, I love Santos Escobar, but don't really love the other three guys they're facing. So we'll see what happens. Maybe, like you said, they might add EO and Asuka versus uh, Sasha and Bailey. I think that could help beef up the card a little bit. Um, but besides that, Cole and Lee alone just sells me. Sells me. So um, definitely be watching uh, Great American Bash first. Completely agree. Looking forward to breaking down both shows next week right here with you, Mr. Marceau, on WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on NextDayWrestling.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. People can find me as well on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Matthews. So, in addition to Great American Bash next week, Fighter Fest, in light of the Independence Day holiday on Saturday, RJ, I implore you to go back and watch some quote-unquote great, great American Bash matches, including, uh, again, let me check my notes here, Charlie Haas versus Luther Reigns. You might want to go back and check that out. I'm definitely watching Molina, Tori Wilson, and Brian Payne. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Mr. Marceau, great time as always. I'll catch you next week, all right, brother? Sounds good. Catch your ass down the road, I should say. All right, take care. Adios, Mr. Marcel.